pop culture theologians. I am so glad you are joining us for episode seven, the fight to the death of his dark materials. Although I guess like the fight to the death, I could describe pretty much everything happening in our world today, but more on that later. Um, we, I am so glad you are here joining me and my imaginary friend, Marcy, who will be back next season. Um, we are the pop culture theologians, two academics that worship at the altar of pop culture. We love everything about it, um, from theology to characters to universe building. We are here for it and have just really discovered our love and how really it uh, permeates into everything that we do academically or socially. So we decided why not start a podcast for it. So I am so excited you're back with me. Um, make sure you have liked and subscribed to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. If you can, go leave us a review. That would be amazing. That helps people find us um, within whatever weird algorithm uh, the Apple iTunes store does that's keeping us away from the more millions and millions of listeners. Um, nevertheless, like, and subscribe and please leave a review. Um, and also if you are on social media, make sure you're following us on Twitter and Facebook at pop theologians. Um, if you want to follow me on Facebook, uh, Instagram, or Twitter, I'm at J Erickson 85 and Marcy, um, is I am the men who can, and it's a wonderful woman reference for all of you that know wonder woman 1984 is coming out i cannot wait to review it on this show marcy i know you're listening we are reviewing it on this show we have to we have to do a special episode in between this season and the next season so nevertheless we're going to be getting into the episode um in just a little bit here but what we've been doing this season because his dark materials is a young adult uh, fantasy series is we've been highlighting other young adult books that i love or marcy loves or that people have written in and told us that they love and this week's feature is drum roll please the perks of being a wallflower by steven Jabotsky. I actually had the chance to meet him at an event in West Hollywood years ago, and it's right when the movie was coming out, because um, this book is a little bit older, um, and he signed it. He was fabulous, and he really brought life to these characters that I didn't really see that was on the pages, but was going to be represented on screen. This book is so good. I mean, it deals with a lot of serious issues um, that are like this show that we're recapping for you uh very difficult from sexual abuse incest uh bullying lgbtq identity slut shaming friendships communities the pain and angst of being a teenager um to finding friends that love and get you they are some of the things that are explored in the book to, that make it hard to read or hard to watch if you watch the film um but something that makes it stick in the minds of myself and others uh, about why we chose it and something that I think more and more people need to see and, and watch and hear um, is an incredibly moving story. Um, Charlie, the main character, there's so much of us in Charlie. There's so much of us in Sam, uh, the character that uh, Emma plays from Harry Potter and all of them, um, or Little Women, if you're watching that movie or have seen it. Um, and then Ezra Miller's in this as the Emma, 
as uh, Sam's lovable stepbrother. Um, and this is like Ezra Miller, like pre, like soft butch mask polyqueer realness or whatever he's serving now and like the Justice League and the Flash and the Harry Potter universe because he plays whatever the other Dumbledore which doesn't make sense because there's not another Dumbledore's brother because it makes everything else a lie in the canon but uh, I know for many of you that have been listening or are subscribed and have heard our recaps on those films uh, it just doesn't make sense but Ezra Miller is hottish so like you know, in this film, he's a little bit uh, different. He definitely didn't butch up. He wasn't drinking his protein shakes or whatever it was <laughs> before this film. Uh, but nevertheless, they are a great pair that act out the amazing parts of this book, the touching, the difficult parts. So um, I hope if you haven't read The Perks of Being a Wallflower or maybe even seen it on television or on TV or Netflix or whatever streaming services are out there now. There are like 40 million of them. Um, go check it out. It's an incredibly great book. If you have people that are struggling with certain things, this is a great book to have a cathartic reaction to, to have this type of emotional reaction and coming, coming out of it, I think, in the end, better. So um, that's my strong recommendation of that book, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. And with that, we're going to jump right into this episode because, girl, we got a lot to cover. And Mrs. Coulter, or Ruth Wilson, the HBSC herself, is giving me all the life. So without further ado, let's get back into the world of dust. Okay, so... I really enjoy one reviewer's take on trying to make us understand what this whole series is about. Um, his dark materials at the end of the day, the source text is, and I'm quoting here, is a, her a heretic's take on the fall from grace mapped onto a rich fantasy world and a deeply heartfelt coming of age adventure. Um, I don't agree with certain people's um, critiques on the later parts of this episode um, or the series uh, specifically this episode because I believe I'm getting everything I wanted from the books in these episodes but some people don't um, and that's their opinion they're wrong but um, that's not my opinion um, so I am really truly loving where we're going here one thing that many listeners have understood something that I love the most is the visuals um, world building is something I find so critically appealing. Um, and it's something that takes a long time to do. Remember we're set in a fantasy world. That's not like our own. And then we're actually set in our own um, universe with will. Um, and so we have to understand that there's a mixture of realness stuff that if we were to walk out our own door and see, but then stuff that we have to give belief that if, it doesn't exist, but it exists in this alternate universe. And so I'm truly in love with the world building and how that's just been achieved right now through some of this, the amazing rich characters, the amazing rich background, the, the narrative that's being developed, and then obviously the stunning visuals. Um, so I'm, I'm truly falling in love with this show. Um, I know you're all on pins and needles. Did Lyra die after falling out of the back of the air, hot air balloon? Um, the answer is no, she survived. I don't know how she survived. I'm going to go with it. Um, but, uh, she is then taken into custody by the armored bears and taken to Yorfurk, uh, Rankinson's palace. 
um, and Salvbard, uh, where remember he is the one that kicked out Yorick Bernison, um, and we're about to see a death match later on in the episode. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, she's she's taken there to be with the Bear King, um, and we are understanding that you know, there's much more there for the susceptibility of these bears, uh, specifically Yofar. Uh, and if I'm butchering his name, I'm sorry. Uh, but nevertheless, I'm going to persist. Um, but what we happen to understand is that this whole episode centers around this relationship between these polar bears and the world in which they've discovered and built. Um, one thing that I think is really fascinating here is that we see the aftermath of the last episode where <laughs> the Egyptians and basically Serafina Pecula just like massacred uh, all of these people up there. And Mrs. Coulter was able to escape, um, but she is seeing what happened now as a result. And so she's out there looking around and she runs into this nurse who was a demon listener. She had the incision process uh, put forward to her. Um, and Mrs. Coulter is going to try and murder her in cold blood. She's so angry. She's so mad, but at the end of the day, she can't do it. Um, even though she's the devil right now, and probably the devil herself, uh, she can't bring herself to murder anymore people are just this one person for example which is interesting but i mean is being murdered a worse fate than what she's already done to her she's already killed her soul i would have to argue probably not but that's for the theologians uh later on to talk about and what really they think cutting a demon's away from a human gives them does it free them from sin no they just look like zombies at the end of the day so um it's quite troubling in understanding the ways in which she can bring herself to have other people kill or harm all these children, but she can't take a life actually herself. Um, nevertheless, we move back into the ways in which we um, understand the, the bear King and the Panzerborn and how um, Lyra's new adventure here with them is going to be taking her to a very interesting place. Um, specifically into this castle um, with the new with the king, and she is taken in, and she's put in a cell, and she's forced to sit there and try to understand what her next move is going to be. Remember, she's very tricky. You know, she's gonna she's always trying to be one step ahead of people, and she's good at it. Um, but she is there, and one thing that she comes to understand from her cellmate who is a cosmology scholar who's knee deep in the uh, middle of a mental breakdown um, is because he couldn't give the king what he wanted and what the king wants most of all is a demon um, and he tells her that uh, an understanding that Yorick who's on the way um, because Lyra was able to identify that Yorick is on his on her way to save him, save her. That you know he might not get far um, because the bears that are there protecting the castle are probably going to kill him unless she can do something. Um, and so she hatches a plan. She's one step ahead of people. Um, she hides Pan, poor little Pan, deep in her coat. But really, I'm sure he's probably more than happy to be in there. Um, and she starts demanding an audience with the Bear King. And 
what her idea is that comes to her is that after meeting with the bear king, she says to him, because remember he knows Mrs. Coulter and really what was going on at a uh, ball banger is that they weren't the scientists just cutting demons away from children. Um, they also found a way to give bears demons because that's the one thing he wants the most. And um, instead of giving the honor to being the first, you know, person, um, that could get a demon, you know, they were going to offer it to his nemesis, Yorick Bernison, you know, the person that then, you know, the king would see as Mrs. Coulter betraying him with. And so he is enraged. But luckily for him, lo and behold, Lyra is that demon and she wants to be his demon. She wants to be um, the demon for the king and that she basically um, is there to serve him. Um, the bear is a little bit smarter than that. It's not as simple as saying, hey, I'm here to be your demon. Um, he asks her a question that only he would know, but because a demon is supposed to be a part of someone, they're supposed to know these answers. Luckily, she has the alethiometer, and she's able to pull it out and answer the question um, who the bear's first kill was. Um, and... and what she goes and is able to find out is the first bear that the king killed was his father. Um, so the truth hurts, as Lizzo would say. But uh, now some people have criticized this. This is how it's in the books, folks. So like, hashtag get over it. Um, but understanding that, you know, the bear the king bear himself now that he has a demon um, is very happy and he does not want anything to happen to that. Remember his, the alluring nature of Mrs. Coulter offering him the baptism, the first bear to be baptized. That's something that he found very appealing. So why wouldn't he want a demon or a soul in this way? Um, and so understanding the ways in which he is trying to utilize what Mrs. Coulter couldn't give him, but Lyra now is, you know, makes him basically putty in Lyra's hand. And so um, understanding how what we're going to get into, nevertheless, uh, is the bear fight to the death. But Lyra is always cunning and above and continuing to think 12 steps ahead of everyone else. Um, we go back and we quickly fast forward uh, uh, to understanding that um, Scoresby and Hester and York all crash landed and Serafina arrives and she says that Lyra is safe, but she needs help. And that's where York goes to run after and come to the bear castle. Um, and that understanding the ways in which um, Mrs. Coulter is still dealing with the aftermath of the, uh, Bolvanger destruction because it's not just that they've freed all the children and everything. They just, Lyra destroyed all the equipment so they couldn't do it anymore. Um, so she's got a lot to answer to um, and a lot of people to answer to. So what we get to now really is the crux of this whole episode. It's not just the fight itself between the king and Yorick, it's the horrific look and feelings that we get from Lyra and her terrified face. Um, in understanding the ways in which, in both the book and film adaptation, Yorick challenges 
the king outside the palace where every baron Solvbard can witness it, you know, he's there to prove a point. He's either going to die and get his honor back and become king again, or something's going to occur and he's going to die and Lyra's plan doesn't work out. Obviously, I think you all know what happens and where we get there. Um, but what goes on in this fight is that Lyra herself um, is trying to understand what death is and all the actions in which she's put into motion are starting to have real impacts, real effects. And um, Yorick and the king fight to the death. And at the end of the day, um, we don't see Yorick finally kill the king, um, but we see Lyra's terrified face. And I think this symbolizes continuing how the book is talking about her growing up, but in a really quick and fast-paced way. These are all things that terrify her. These are all things that she's put in motion herself, but um, she has agents that are doing them, you know, in her will, whatever, uh, that she's willed it. But nevertheless, uh, Yorick wins. Um, he's able to kill the king. Um, and he overcomes and will be the bear king again. He wins the battle. And like many moments in the series, um, if you know the source text and if you know what's actually going on, it, it does help fill in a lot of the blanks, but the show itself, I think with the CGI with the bears is so fabulous. And this is so good when we see it. Um, if you watch the movie, I was not impressed with it. Um, it seems so cheesy. There's something much more real and something more at stake here for all characters involved. Um, and Lyra's duping of the King originally, um, is much more believable in my opinion than what it was in actually the books themselves and the books. It just seems like, you know, the character of Lyra growing into this master manipulator or silver tongue as you, as we come to see what she will be called later. Um, and the, and the word, uh, the new name that Yorick gives her, you know, he dubs him Lyra dubs her Lyra civil silver tongue. Um, this friendship that develops between them is something that's so beautiful. One of the most beautiful parts of the entire series, because he loves her and will, will fight for her. Um, and so what really is going on here is Lyra is continuing to grow up and understand that the world is in such an innocent place, like at Jordan college that she came from in the first episode. Um, we get back then to our universe our world like we talked about the believable world and lord boreal and will and elaine perry um i am just loving them will is such a great character and introducing him into the series in the first season versus having it be something that we saw in the second season allows us to start bonding with him especially in the next episode um, that we get, we'll get to, but we're able to see the choices that Lyra and Will make at the end of that episode and just the bond that's going to be developed. But um, what we have here is that um, the fight to the death is literally supposed to be the ways in which the bears fight and kill each other, but it really does have something to be said about Will's development. Um, and Elaine Perry is 
um, an individual that's been questioned and doubted by her own son and authority figures because she's been very traumatized. She has issues. Um, but she stands up for herself against Boreal, who's very scary, very intimidating in these standing in doorways, um, you know, telling her, you know, she's going to, you know, basically get it if he doesn't get his way. Um, and, you know, he finds this clip um, of, you know, John Perry, Will's father, talking about these letters that he sent Will and his whole family during this final expedition that he didn't come back from. And he believes, Lord Boreal believes, that these contain these secrets to the other universe that they're looking for. Um, and so Will, you know, I mean, Lord Boreal breaks into the Perry's home and, you know, Elaine is there, you know, and, you know, Will's at school and Boreal's lying to Elaine. And she basically says, listen, lady, like you better hand over these letters and get a warrant. Otherwise you ain't going to come in here, right? You're not going to get in. Um, and so she kicks him out of the house. We all know he's coming back, but she wins. Um, she's exhausted. Um, and she runs to take out Will from school. Um, and it's that even the best part of this episode and maybe this entire series that we're seeing is that sometimes the most vulnerable people are capable of being the strongest characters on the show. Um, strength of heart, strength of soul, strength of character, strength of will, for lack of a better word, are some of the most beautiful pieces here that are put into motion by these actors. Lyra herself has this enormous strength of will and, and character, and you see it come forth. But with Elaine, it's a rare moment of, of beauty um, and, and vulnerability um, because she is weak um, and stuff has happened to her in her life. But she stands up and she wins. So um, the character of Will himself is just fabulous. Um, and Will uh, kind of doesn't know what to make of his mother's bombshell um, by saying that his not only does she say his father's still alive, um, but that someone broke into their home while they were gone and, you know, they need to get out of there as soon as possible. So, you know, he takes her and puts her away. Um, and offers to, you know, he drops Elaine off, his mom, and he's going to go back and clean up the house. Um, but what happens is, is, you know, where the letters are hidden in this writing case, it's safe. Um, but these thugs that Boreal has sent are back to basically break in and find out where they are. And Will's there. Um, he's hiding in the house and one of the thugs comes out and Will bursts out onto this landing area, pushing one of the men as hard as he can towards the exit. But before he can make it down the stairs, um, Thomas, this individual, loses his balance and topples over the balcony, railing to his death on the first floor below. And you see the reaction that this has on Will. It's not just the fight to the death for him. It literally is a fight to the death because he now has killed someone. He isn't a murderer. It's self-defense, obviously. Um, but in this last moment, you know, he doesn't stop back at his boxing coach's house to fetch his mom. He runs away um, into the street and scared because he has not only these letters, which everyone wants um, to understand this universe, this, this mission Lord Boreal has been sent on, but more importantly, 
he's no longer the same Will. He he killed someone um, out of self-defense, of course, but he literally had to fight to the death to save this type of innocence that he was hoping to read and understand more from his father. Um, so we go back quickly, um, back to the HBIC herself with Mrs. Coulter and understanding um, that, you know, she really messed up here because uh, uh, <laughs> basically everything was destroyed. Um, and she's there with Father McPhail and he basically tells her that the King Bear that she's been manipulating is dead and that her plan to keep Azriel tethered is doomed. And that, you know, she's basically done. Like, she is done. You're fired. Get out, right? Um, but like in all good things, um, Mrs. Coulter is not one to be um, led away from what she wants easily. And she convinces all of them to give them one more final chance to take a crew of people up to the north to get Azrael, her former lover, um, because she's really the only one that knows his innermost thinking, his thoughts, and she's the only one that can help him. So she goes away um, and is going to capture and go up to the north, setting up this epic conclusion for the first season of the show. She's going to be the one that brings Lord Azrael back, stops whatever he's doing, um, and save the Magisterium's world and what they're doing. Um, does she do it? You have to stay tuned to next week. But nevertheless, she lives to fight another day. Um, after the bear off uh, and fight to the death, we come back and we're with York and Lyra, and they go to pick up Roger um where york left him basically um and then they head off to find azrael because remember that's ultimately where all signs are pointing to to getting to azrael to help him um because lyra was worried about something happening to him um azrael himself though when the end of the episode when they finally get there he starts screaming at lyra saying he did not send for her um and he wants her to leave because and many of us know what happens in the last episode and at the end of the book, he needs a child and their demon. Um, and he does not want it to be her because remember, she's his daughter. Um, but then just right quick, right away, after having Lyra there, he sees Roger. And very quickly, his demeanor and everything changes. Um, and the man himself, who was angry as everything before, is now very pleased Roger came. And the episode ends. Um, and we're wondering, what does this mean? What happens now? Uh, why was he so happy Roger was there? If you've read the books, you know why. Um, and we get to it in the most epic conclusion um, that I have really seen. I... Love this episode. Um, I think it's a great middle episode setting up, you know, the penultimate, uh, I mean, the ultimate uh, season finale for season one. And I think it really sets us in a place where all these characters are finally going to be in the same area and who prevails or who doesn't is going to be all the stakes in the game. All the chess pieces have been moving this, um, this way and we're going to see who survives um, or who doesn't. Um, it's called His Dark Materials for a reason. So with that, um, I hope you are subscribed to us on iTunes, um, like us on Facebook and Twitter, um, leave us a review, uh, tweet me why you love the perks of being a wallflower or why you don't. It's okay if you don't. Um, and I hope you'll come back for our 
last episode of this season where we'll announce the next season and the next show we'll be doing, but we'll ultimately talk about the final episode of His Dark Materials, episode eight, which is called Betrayal. And we've got a lot to talk about. So I'll see you next time. And I hope you have a great night. Bye.